Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about my pillow at the White House, America and forgetting who we are, and Nancy Pelosi hints at blame hearings. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And to America Can We Talk, and to today's first five, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I have a public service announcement to start this first five. It's a very short clip I sent to Matt, the wonderful producer, who is again extraordinarily wonderful in doing producing this show from his home while I'm doing the show from my studio at home because of our coronavirus uh, issue. But I sent Matt a clip. It's just a warning about a scam some people in this country are already engaged in. I just want to put it up on the screen. If you, when you see this, remind yourself and, and tell your friends, already some scammers have started the phony IRS calls asking people for their bank account number so they can deposit your $1,200 check. Don't fall for it. Simply unbelievable. And by way of contrast between people like that, I want to start the show by just thanking the astonishing number of people in this country, literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people stepping up to help America in this coronavirus episode we are going through. I'm talking about hospital workers, doctors, nurses, janitors, people working in senior care centers, in assisted living centers, family members. America is stepping up in so many important, wonderful ways. Individuals who just day after day get up, go back to work, go back to their medical practice, go back to the hospitals, all working under obviously tremendously stressful conditions as we're concerned about the contagion of coronavirus and watching people suffer, all the people losing loved ones. I just, I want to just express, you know, kind of support and love and encouragement to people around this country who are dealing with this crisis and especially people who are working so hard during this crisis to help fellow Americans. Another uh, group that I want to thank in this first five today in dealing with the coronavirus crisis are the people in the major corporations in this country who are stepping up and helping in some way to deal with the many issues surrounding solving the coronavirus crisis that we're all going through. There was at the White House yesterday, a, as they have daily now, they have a press conference every day. And at this press conference, President Trump invited people, uh, businesses to come up to the podium and just share a little bit about what they're doing. He invited uh, business leaders up to the press conference along, of course, with the diminishing number of uh, press who will actually cover President Trump's press conferences related to the virus. But yesterday, President Trump invited uh, numerous people, including the gentleman who's the founder of My Pillow, kind of famous because the commercials on television are all just called my pillow that's the name of the company they make very i don't have one but they make apparently just wonderful pillows so this gentleman uh, mike lindell was at the white house and i want to play the clip of what he had to say at the white house this is he was called up to speak after president trump had finished commending and thanking the various businesses in this country who are doing so much to help who are really abandoning their uh 
the means or what they normally do for their what they manufacture what they, their business is abandoning that in order to help America by producing all sorts of things, masks, ventilators, gowns, you know, glass shields, all sorts of things. I want to just play this clip. It was quite touching. This is Mike Lindell, the founder of MyPillow. MyPillow is uniquely positioned as a U.S. company that functions as a manufacturer, logistics management distributor, and direct-to-consumer. Given our current business lines, we are experiencing the effects of this pandemic firsthand. But my pillow is done. We've established an internal task force which is monitoring future needs of companies across the country as a result of this pandemic. And given our position, we've begun to research and develop new protocols to address the current and future needs of U.S. businesses across multiple sectors. We've, de we've dedicated 75% of my manufacturing to produce cotton face masks. Um, up to ten, in three days, I was up to 10,000 a day. By Friday, I want to be up to 50,000 a day. Now I wrote something off the cuff, if I can read this. Okay. <laughs> God gave us grace on November 8, 2016 to change the course we were on. God had been taken out of our schools and lives. A nation had turned its back on God. And I encourage you to use this time at home to get to home to get back in the word, read our Bibles and spend time with our families. Our president gave us so much hope where just a few short months ago, we had the best economy, the lowest unemployment and wages going up. It was amazing. With our great president, vice president and this administration and all the great people in this country praying daily, we will get through this and get back to a place that's stronger and safer than ever. Okay, folks, I have to tell you that you think about the kind of remarks you might make or any business owner might make when you know you're on national television, you're invited to the White House, it's a time of crisis, millions of Americans are watching the press conferences to understand where we are, how we're doing. I really thought that was the most tender and precious uh, choice made by Mike Lindell, the founder of MyPillow, to talk about not just bragging about his company, aren't we great? But he went right on to say, all of us need to be at our homes, really supporting this country in prayer. I, I thought it was very, uh, it was humble and it was uh, earnest and sincere and very inspiring to hear someone of his incredible success in that uh, company. Of course, MyPillow is a huge success. Uh, recognize what he thinks is really important, which was more than just how generous his company is being in producing face masks. Other quick tributes to other companies just to make, and I have a political point about this, but I want to just get, make a few other tributes uh, to companies. Ford Motor Company, 3M, GE Healthcare are le lending their manufacturing engineering expertise to expand uh, their production of needed items. Uh, for example, Ford plans to assemble more than 100,000 face shields. You've been noticing now these in grocery stores, every place you go, there are face shields up so that you're not breathing on the person working and they are not breathing on you. Uh, face shields, Ford plans to assemble more than 100,000 face shields per week and leverage its in-house 3D printing capability to produce other components needed for personal protective equipment. 3M is doubling their global output of N95 respirator masks in response to the coronavirus emergency. Hewlett-Packard utilizing 3D printing to produce equipment in, including face shields, mask adjusters, and hands-free door openers. My pillow, we already heard about that, making face masks. We have Facebook, even Facebook <clears throat> donating their emergency reserve of over 700,000 masks. And they're working to source millions more to donate. Fiat Chrysler, more than 1 million protective face masks a month. 
I could go on on the list is very long. But the political point I want to make is that the American left spends so much time trying to cultivate in young Americans and millennials, young Americans, college students, high school students, the left spends so much time trying to cultivate disdain for American businesses, disdain for corporations, especially large corporations. They try to instill suspicion and hatred toward businesses in this country. And with all of the usual leftist Marxist rhetoric about you know, exploitative and, and uh, you know, all their just, I don't even want to humor them by repeating their language. But the point I'm making is that this is a great opportunity, not just for these businesses to again step up and show their value to America, beside that they provide the jobs that give people paychecks and put food in their table so they can take care of their families and their lives. These corporations are stepping up in a time of crisis in an extraordinary way. And just as all of us should be grateful and praising and speaking up to commend the doctors and nurses and healthcare workers and every individual involved in helping, we also need to be pointing out to America, especially to the young people lured in by the idiocy of socialism, the idiocy of democratic socialism that Sanders pushes and, and unfortunately millions of young Americans follow. Look who's actually producing what we need. Look who's making what we need. And the last one um, point in the first five today, I also sent Matt the Wonderful um, a picture. And this is, you may recall that President Trump had mentioned he was going to try to get a U.S. Navy ship moved up to the New York Harbor so that it could be used in the, because right now in New York City, especially there's, there's a, their crisis is pandemic level. They're very, very, uh, their hospitals are overrun. They have an extraordinary number of cases of coronavirus, some of them very serious. And so the president had announced he would get uh, a U.S. Navy ship, which is uh, has the lovely name. It's a hospital ship, the lovely name of the USS Comfort. He would get it to New York Harbor. I contemplated grabbing the clip of Rachel Maddow, the obnoxious left-wing socialist, clueless news guy, you know, show host, where she had said in her show, like last Friday or something very recent, that even though President Trump said, we'll get the, the uh, USS Comfort up there, the U.S. Naval Ship Comfort up to the New York Harbor as soon as we can. And I think he even made allusion to maybe next week, Rachel Maddow, who just never can pass up an opportunity to mock and ridicule and deplore America, freedom, the military, President Trump, conservatism, took a shot, went on and on in her show saying, uh, this will never happen. It will never happen. But okay, I'm imitating her. I just want to show you a picture. This is, I sent to Matt the Wonderful, of indeed that beautiful U.S. Navy ship, the USS Comfort, uh, U.S. Navy ship in the New York Harbor, obviously with Lady Liberty uh, celebrating her arrival. So that is it. I, oh, okay, that's it on the picture. One last thing I saw, kind of a funny thing to wrap up today's first five. Um, there was a picture of the... Um, crowds in New York City who had formed along the shore to kind of wave and welcome this Navy ship. It was kind of funny because the Navy ship's coming there because of the coronavirus problem. And among the people, the things that we're all trying to do and with respect to uh, our little part and not spreading the coronavirus is to have maintained social distance. It was kind of, I, I just honestly thought it was heartwarming and wonderful. The crowds gathered to greet the ship were hardly engaging in social distancing. They were, they had, some of them had masks on, but they're smiling and waving and just grateful for 
the military, grateful for that ship arriving, grateful for President Trump and moving so quickly in getting that ship up to the New York Harbor and able to actually, as we're saying, it's a hospital ship, take, take on some of the patients that are overrunning the healthcare system in New York City. And that, my friends, is today's first five. I want to turn and talk about a topic that I think is really among the most important things we can be talking about in all of this crisis. And that is, is, I called it forgetting who we are. And I don't know if you are a regular listener, you may have listened to quite often the lyrics and the theme music for my show, but the lyrics of the theme music say, remember who we are. And there's a really great point. And we're going to run through uh, some data about where we are on the coronavirus going to run through some comparisons of other situations we've had that are similar in nature. I'm going to talk about the kind of orders in place right now in this country and whether they are legitimate, whether they are comporting with the level of concern we should have. Uh, are, are we doing too much in terms of forcing people to stay in the shelter in place? Um, and the are we surrendering our liberty and our authority as individual people to be to, to live in the freedom guaranteed to us. You likely um, know that uh, Joe Biden had a little bit of trouble remembering what was in the Declaration of Independence. I remember, and I want to just remind you about the idea that the whole concept of America, the whole concept is that we're all created equal, that we have rights from God simply because we were born, and that because we have this commitment to liberty as the founding idea of our country. We all agreed decades, centuries ago that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Obviously those rights are not absolute. They're not absolute, but we strive as a nation to hold on to those rights, to remind our children and grandchildren and everyone we know that we are a unique nation in the earth because we're committed in our founding document that we are going to strive to hold that promise up in every generation. Every generation of patriots has the duty to remember those are unique, extraordinary promises in our founding that the country exists to give the citizens a, not that the, the country gave us the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What the declaration was saying was those are innate natural rights that we as a country in our foundation, in our, in our founding, recognized, defined, laid out and promised, and that as we move forward as a country, we still are going to try to the best we can to honor that promise of liberty, of the idea that each of us has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Because we are surrendering liberty at this time, this coronavirus crisis time, in major, extraordinary, unprecedented ways. I wanna talk about those really to urge you again to keep in mind what we should be doing as citizen patriots even during this crisis. But to start with, I want to uh, be, you know, completely forthcoming about the numbers. On, uh, you may have heard, you likely did hear, that with respect to the numbers uh, in our country, we have new models being honored, being uh, quoted, and being shared by, and being uh, becoming the basis for policy in this country. New models, uh, Dr. Fauci, who is the, uh, the NIH guy who's been around since time began in Washington, and who is advising President Trump, um, he is talking about now grim, grim numbers coming up. 
essentially saying that we in America, uh, we may end up with something in the range of, I'm going to get his numbers precisely, um, that we may end up with uh, over 100,000. These are Dr. Fauci's numbers based on models. We may have over 100,000 deaths in America due to the COVID-19 disease, which is the disease that you contract when you, if, if you come into contact with and become ill with the coronavirus. The COVID-19, we may have over 100,000 um, deaths in this country. He, so he's saying that it's a big number, over 100,000 deaths. Um, and talked about we may have, with respect to the number of people who contract it, you know, we may have, um, you know, in fact, he even said we likely see 100,000 and maybe even to 200,000 coronavirus deaths before this is all over. And, you know, he just said he's, he's basing it on, um, on models, not on, you know, not on measurements currently taken, but on models. And he predicts we're going to have millions of cases. So when you recognize that that is the level of concern that, that he has as an expert. Um, and so, and given that people are gathering data from all over the world. So I'm not trying to do, by what I'm about to say about our idea of defending America and remembering who we are. I am not ignoring those numbers. I'm not hiding them. He's talking about big, big numbers. And so as the projections rise and they are based on numbers that we look at in our country and numbers in other countries, uh, it's important to keep in mind a couple other things just to keep it in perspective. Just three or four days ago, Dr. Birks, B-I-R-X, also spoke um, at a press conference, one of President Trump's press conferences, and she actually said, you know, um, we may be looking at inaccurate models. We may be looking at models that essentially are predicting significantly higher uh, spread of coronavirus than is actually likely. So she was warning against models. And let me remind you folks, models are entirely driven, entirely driven by the data entered into them. There's no magic to them except the data and the data entered into them is decided by whoever is creating the model. The data entered into them is based on assumptions and the, uh, the notion that we're dealing with experts who are drawing the best data they can. However, just as we've seen in the models that many, many people pointed to who were environmental extremists and worried that we're going to have, you know, that we're going to have all sorts of uh, death and destruction from climate change. Those models produce things like saying that New York City would be completely underwater by whatever year it was, 2000. I mean, there have been, and we've been over on this these on this show, we've talked on the topic of climate change. There have been dozens of completely inane model predictions based on models and based on models created by experts created by people who actually are climatologists who look at data and they put models in. So whatever comes in at one end comes out the other end. And we have found in our country that the models used in climate change have been way, way off. Not a little tiny bit, way off. Extreme predictions, we're all gonna freeze to death, we're all gonna melt, uh, we're gonna lose New York City, it's gonna be underwater by, you know, and that's happened a couple of times in New York City to be underwater. And obviously, you know, it's not underwater at, and has not been at all. So what he is saying, Fauci and Dr. But Dr. Burks, to be clear, she did say, first she talked about the concern of inaccurate models, but she's also joined in with a warning from Dr. Fauci to say, you know, we really may have 
in the millions of cases. And we really may have somewhere between 100 and 200,000 deaths. So I'm not, you know, no one is happy about that. And that would, by the way, if we had a million cases um, in this country, which we don't have anything close, I'm about to get to the notion, um, most experts are still saying that the data seem to indicate we have somewhere either under 1% or between 1% and 2% of fatality rate. It's really important to understand cases that we may have does not equal fatality rates. Fatality from coronavirus continues to be very low and tends to be concentrated in older population, people of older age, or people with some pre-existing condition, such as anything like immune, any kind of a, a deficiency in their immune system, any other kind of special health problems they've had that make them more vulnerable. The average person, still over 80% of the people who come into contact with the coronavirus who contract COVID-19 will have something like a bad cold or a flu, be done with it in two weeks and move on. The vast, vast majority. So even when they're talking millions of cases, you know, there are millions of cases of flu every year and people get through it. They don't like it and they stay home and they feel bad and they lounge around and moan and, you know, drink hot soup and sleep a lot. And so the point, even with this virus, that there is still well over 80% of the people who contract it will simply have a really, you know, kind of unpleasant couple of weeks and be done with it. I also want to give you final numbers before I turn into what the next thing I want to talk about, which is about both the constitutionality as well as the wisdom of the orders coming from states. The last data point I want to hit in this segment is with respect to the actual numbers we have in mind. So we have actually before I get to coronavirus, let me talk about one more thing that Dr. Fauci was heavily involved in. You may recall Dr. Fauci was has been at the NIH for a long, long time. He was the top advisor to President Obama during the time we had a major swine flu outbreak in this country, 2009-2010. We had a major swine flu problem in this country. We had numbers, just to remind you what we had, it was April 2009 to August 2000, to April 2010. We had about 60.8 million confirmed cases of swine flu. 60.8 confirmed million, 60.8 million cases confirmed of swine flu versus now you can see what, you know, we're not anywhere near that number in what the uh, experts are predicting with respect to the coronavirus and in the swine flu era, we had over 12,000 deaths. In that time period, we did not have a media driving home day after day after day, we're in a crisis, it's extreme, everything President Trump has done wrong since he tied his shoes this morning, everything he's done since he tied his shoes this morning is wrong, every, every response he's done is wrong, everything he's doing. This is what the left is doing to him over and over and over and over in this crisis, in this coronavirus crisis. Same advisor, Fauci, far bigger numbers, far more deaths in the time of swine flu. The entire year it was around. In fact, this one set of data is talking about April to April, 2009, 2010. Some people count the ending of the swine flu virus more like August of 2010. No orders to shelter in place. 
no orders to do the kinds of things we are doing now. We're having a far more stringent reaction to the coronavirus than we did to swine flu. Even though I will say, to, to be fair to the medical people, the advisors to Trump, you know, coronavirus is scary. It's unknown. It came from a foreign source. It's kind of exotic. We weren't sure about it. It kind of sneaked up on us. We didn't realize it was going to be a problem until it was already here. We don't have, you know, our, our immune systems aren't built up to deal with it as they are most Americans' immune system built up to a certain degree to handle the flu, the regular swine flu or regular flu. And so yeah, there, are, there are differentiating factors. But you had a far more calm, not, uh, you know, country shutting down, industry shutting down, economy shutting down reaction uh, to a far more lethal flu back in 2009, 2010, 10 years ago when you had President Obama as president with the same advisor from NIH. I do want to tell you, um, I, I think I mentioned a few times this, or yesterday, maybe last week, but you know, President Trump has extended the uh, guidelines. To be clear, what President Trump is saying are guidelines. These are suggestions. These are not mandates like are being put out by mayors and county officials and governors. These are just guidelines. But President Trump has extended the guideline saying that we're not going, that we should maintain the social distancing and all the other things uh, through the end of April. So the uh, last point to tell you where we are on and this, just in the data point, before I turn to whether we're uh, you know, surrendering our freedom, which the answer is we are, but on the uh, flu numbers as of today, I went to CDC's website today. I kind of go there every day now. Um, and, and by the way, back, one more thing on Fauci and the swine flu in 2009, 2010, his advice, even in the midst of it, even at the point where we had millions infected and thousands had died, the advice, even toward the end of that flu, at uh, that time of swine flu death, was, you know, young people and children, yeah, you know, uh, he's talking about people just need to use good judgment. Parents shouldn't send their kids to school if they're sick. If you're sick, don't go to work. You know, be, it was a very casual, just, just the kind of thing your grandmother would tell you to do if you're sick. Your grandma give you advice or your mother and say, you know, if you're sick or your kids are sick, don't send them out of the house. That was all of his advice for America, Fauci's advice back in the time of swine flu. One last thing, where we are in flu in America uh, and versus the coronavirus. In the flu in America, again, this year, just this flu season, which is uh, officially considered October 1st of 2019, and then this is through this today, went on the thing today, um, they have, we have had for flu deaths, 24,000, between 24,000 and 62,000. So the high-end estimate of the CDC and the number of people who died of flu this year, 24,000 to 62,000, and people who become ill with the flu but not passed on, between 38 and 54 million. 38 to 54 million Americans had the flu this year, according to the CDC. Uh, by contrast, on the COVID virus, COVID-19, uh, you contract from coronavirus, We've had a total cases of 163,000, as contrasted again with the flu of 24,000. We're talking about uh, with the uh, total cases of 163,000, but I'm sorry, I'm, I'm saying those numbers wrong. I want to correct myself. Total cases, total cases with the COVID 19 at this point, 163,000 total cases with the flu between 38 and 54 million. 38 to 54 million cases of flu this year and 163,000 cases of COVID-19. As to deaths, somewhere between 24 and 62,000 
from de death from the flu, again, 24,000 to 62,000 versus with a coronavirus deaths of 2,800, it might be up to 3,000. Point is, we still have a far more deadly flu season on our hands than we have coronavirus. But I really want to turn to, and the point of this segment today is not just to talk about the stats, but I wanted to have been uh, fair and forthcoming and put them all out there before I make my points related to American liberty. We're a country rooted in liberty. We have, where I'm living in Texas and most states, it's something like 27 states now, have something like the rulings in place we have in Texas. For the whole state of Texas, we have, of course, social distancing. We have restaurants closed, bars closed. We have, so you can only get food from takeout. And then in my county, Dallas County, and in many counties around the country, we have the order coming from the highest authority in the county. It's not a suggestion or guideline, it's an order, and you can be pulled over by the police for violating it. You may not leave your home unless for an essential errand, you can leave to go to the doctor's office for essential treatment or pick up medications or to the grocery store. And even the grocery store is listed for essential items. So I don't know if you're only buying cookies. Is that essential? I don't know. I'm getting at their very, very rigorous orders in place in uh, Dallas and in places around the country where we are agreeing based on the emergency order status to say, we're just going to stay home, just going to stay home. That's what we're going to do. And I want to tell you a few more of the extreme orders in place before I talk about why they're so dangerous. Um, one is that in the state of Virginia, simply breathtaking. State of Virginia, as you well know, taken over by Democrats uh, in the most recent elections, Democrat governor, Democrat and majority in both their houses, they're, they're, they don't call it their house, they call it their house of delegates, but it's the same thing. They have a Senate and house of delegates, all Democrat majority, endlessly already talking about various ways in which they intend to take away the liberty of their people, including taking their guns away. Governor Northam of Virginia has issued an order saying a stay at home order, similar to what we have in Texas, a you know, shelter in place. Wherever you are, you gotta stay there. You don't go out except for very specific vital reasons. But this order, the one in Virginia by the Democrat Governor Northam, People have been told they must stay in their homes through June 10th. June 10th. That's 10 weeks from tomorrow. That, uh, you know, I'm sure coincidentally happens to be the day after a Republican runoff election was supposed to have been held in Virginia. I don't know about that, but I do know 10 weeks he's telling them they have to stay in place. And in Texas, I tell you, these are enforceable orders. You can be pulled over. I know of people pulled over to ask, where are you going? Now, you are allowed to be clear in Texas. You are allowed to go walking. You can go walking in your neighborhood, but people are turning each other in, in this neighborhood, in neighborhoods around me, because they see people who are out walking, but they're not maintaining. It's supposed to be outside six feet. So you're walking with your friends six feet apart. I mean, you can walk with your own family member, and then you can, you know, I assume you can walk next to each other. But with other people, you have to keep them six feet apart. It's like you're yelling to each other, hey, how are the kids? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's really, really stringent here. And at least in Dallas, the order was only for two weeks, which ends this Friday. Everyone assumes it's going to be extended, you know, probably till the end of April. And so we are submitting to tremendous limitations on our liberty in this country in response to health 
public policy advice, modeling health officials dictating when it'll be safe to go outside. And we have local officials of all kinds, mayors, the mayor, we talked about the mayor of Los Angeles sometime recently in the show, mayor of Los Angeles, you know, huge restrictive orders in Los Angeles talking about, again, they're talking about till the end of May before you can even go out. This idea, folks, that we're a country founded on the idea that we have an inherent God-given natural right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness has to weigh in somewhere in this equation of how long we are able to be confined to our homes based on an emergency declaration by a, a elected official who is not a health expert who is not listening to any advice coming from people related to the effects on the economy, on the existence of jobs, on the ability of businesses to continue functioning. Tell you something else about what's really interesting about this whole era we're living in where we're just blindly and, and like sheep submitting to whatever orders they say. In Virginia, they have actually included, you cannot go to church. It's specifically mentioned, you can't have church services. And I want to ask you how, or just plant this little seed, how bizarre this is. Everyone's in a battle in all these states where we're talking about essential services and or essential businesses and non-essential businesses. Many people on the left are arguing that abortion providers are providing essential services. So they must be included in the carve out. They must be included among the businesses that can stay open and that the reasons you can leave your home is to to uh, procure an abortion to have an abortion but churches are shut down in new york city a pastor was actually arrested no i'm sorry in florida a pastor was actually arrested for holding church services in violation of the order they then had in place which basically was one of those no more than 10 people in one place kind of orders which also exist all over this country so we're, I mean, let it let sink in about what they're saying about their priorities in this country. You have to have your freedom to an abortion. Have to. No exceptions. Go to church. And to be clear, no one's making you go to church. No one's making the pastor offer the services. The pastor wants to have the services. Everyone with a pulse understands the coronavirus going on and understands the guidelines that 10 feet apart. And people want to go to church. So it's one thing for private citizens to think about other private citizens and saying, you know, that is really irresponsible. They shouldn't be going to church. I wouldn't go to church. Why should they go to church? It's, to be denouncing is one thing, but to use government authority to say abortions, yes, church, no. One little comparison. Another one that's really interesting to think about is here in Texas, we have you literally, and people do get pulled over for the idea. I mean, pull over and said, where are you going? And they, there was a guy who was telling this story, said he was on the way to work. He worked for a company that is an essential business. And the police officer said, you have to have your papers. You have to have in your car with you proof that you're allowed to be on the road because where you work is an essential business. I mean, so, and just the, the comparison I want to make is, so think about this crazy. The American left is advocating because people are incarcerated they're in jail or prison because they actually did commit a crime and they're in jail as punishment for that crime. They should be freed. They should be freed because of the threat of coronavirus, but healthy citizens who are out and about wanting to go to the grocery store or to work or wherever they're going, 
are going to be put in jail while we're letting criminals out. One last point to make, and I, I will, I'm going to keep diving into this in Texas, but there was a, a lawyer in California is making the point that in California, their state constitution actually spells out the idea, and he said most state constitutions have these kind of things, spells out the idea you have the right to move freely. Part of your right as a citizen is not just free speech sitting in your home, not just freedom of assembly to have your family assemble together, it's freedom to be out in the world, to go about your life, to pursue your career or your job, assuming it's a legal job. And so this, this lawyer is saying, California, these local officials, they don't even have constitutional authority to issue these orders that are, again, open-ended as to time. Many of them saying, like ours says here in Dallas County, through April 3rd, but you know we're probably going to extend it to April 30th. We're going to have extensions and extensions and, and not sufficient challenges, if any, by citizens saying, where do you get the authority to tell us this? We need to start to recognize that even if the coronavirus surprised everyone and alarms everyone, we cannot allow our, our governmental authorities to take away our basic civil liberties in response to this coronavirus threat. We cannot surrender our liberties. We have to, as we're going to be talking more in this show about on Thursday of this week, uh, we're going to be talking with Steve Moore, uh, who is the heritage, well, he is an advisor to President Trump, the Heritage Foundation economist, about what really happens to an economy when it's frozen in place like ours is. What really happens? How do you get it back working again? What, you know, what, what is the impact on people and businesses because we're not in a place we can just you know, freeze the economy for a couple days and then march on. We are really facing, we're getting to a crisis point in our country because we've been frozen in place as a country with this virus for too long. So I want to uh, you know, turn to, I'm going to keep on planting the seed that we need to remember as Americans who we are. We have had 240 years plus in this world as a country, surviving all sorts of flu epidemics, swine flu epidemics, other kinds of health threats and, and concerns. We're a country that's been rooted in liberty and we've never done anything like this. In the three months, at the very most of three months, America's even been you know, vaguely aware because January, even into February, we were vaguely aware of this. In this three-month period in 2020, we have essentially, for vast portions of this country, surrendered liberty in, a, in an unprecedented way. We've never done anything like this. Not in response to past viruses. Now, I'll tell you something, folks, there's a very big difference between having public health authorities give out advice, give out information, Tell people the way to fight this is you're hand washing and you're keeping surfaces clean and you're cleaning down everything that comes into your house and you're not handshaking and, and social distancing and all the things we've been doing. And, and maybe there'll be more things and wearing masks. We all can garner that information. Most people will follow it. But at the same time, we it's a, there's a huge difference between getting good information from the government understanding how to protect ourselves and government mandates to say, you can't leave your home. You can't leave. 
You can't go out and about. You can't go to your friend's house for your political meeting. Think of all the things. I want to just plant some other seeds about how differently our society may feel, how it's changing as we go forward under this coronavirus um, challenge. Because you understand, of course, people keep saying, well, the models say it's going to peak in mid-April, then it's going to dissipate, dissipate, then we're going to be fine. So, But no, you have to understand, the experts are already saying, even if it kind of, uh, go, the, the uh, graph goes back down, the modeling shows going down, that we're going to have, it's going to come back in the fall. And viruses come back year after year after year. So are we now in 2020, in March of 2020, the end of March, are we submitting to the health authorities of this country that for, henceforth and forevermore, we are going to be sure that we have absolute uh, deference. Everyone salutes and follows to whatever the government says about health challenges. We all just stay home whenever they say. We don't challenge them, we just submit. Because I want you to think about the kind of normal life things, how much has changed in this short period of time. You know, football season will come in the fall. You know, for our family, for a lot of families, you know, football season is like a happy time of year. A lot of people like to go to football games in person. You're talking about tens of thousands of people sitting in stands together with seats all crammed together. This was a normal thing to do in our country since the NFL came along. People have uh, Sunday afternoon parties, they have Super Bowl parties, they have NFL watching, get together with your friends, watch your hometown team in your house. Are we going to be so afraid of the coronavirus coming back in the fall that all this social distancing is going to mean the NFL just goes away? And if you think that is a, a silly concern, it's already being talked about. Can the NFL even exist? If we can't have games in person, I mean, it's not nearly as exciting to watch a bunch of guys playing football on a field, obviously not social distancing, and the only way you can watch it is in the privacy of your own home with no other friends over, and you can't be in the stands, and you can't be cheering them on. And what about your high school games, and your kids' high school games, and your kids' high school basketball games? All of normal life. What about Trump rallies? Are we surrendering that we're not going to have any more Trump rallies for the rest of time? This is an outcome the left would love, love, love to have. They'd love to see that. They'd love to see the idea that you can't have these massive, inspiring, patriotic rallies that really made President Trump's campaign unique and extraordinary and exciting for millions of Americans. Though, are we just going to say, well, social distancing can't do that? What about going to concerts? I mean, one thing we like to do in our family at Christmas and birthdays is give each other, we give concert tickets because it's fun to go to listen to bands that we like. And so this year I have been thinking earlier in the year, January, before we realized what a problem, that I was trying to think about what concert it might be fun to buy tickets for for my husband for his birthday. Because we had great time last year going to, I think, Paul McCartney. Point is, are we really going to accept this long-term culture changing norm in our country because of the coronavirus. Because what's really happening deeper, this is deeper than the concern about, about you know, numbers and, and, and virus spreading. I'm really gonna concern, go, um, so let me start, do it another way. Recognize why the left is so happy to enforce these kinds of things. Why the left is happy to extend the stay in place, shelter in place, can't leave your house, can't go here, must have permission, can't be outside. The left 
benefits from instilling fear in Americans. It is the what the left does on issue after issue after issue after issue. The left gets their way in this country on environmental policy by scaring ignorant young people to death who actually thought you know, 20 years ago that New York City was going to be underwater by now, or all the other inane predictions that never come true. They never happen. We are overloaded with penguins and polar bears. And, and But the point is the left uses fear to get people to do what they want. In this case, our whole societal crashing down. We can't have Trump rallies. We can't have a we can't have a normal social engagement in this country anymore. The left is benefiting from the fear that's been instilled in the American people and is coupled with, is living with, is part of what the left is doing in Washington in create, creating these massive, massive, massive spending bills. They're creating dependence. They're creating among the American people the idea, well, I have to wait until all the health experts agree that I'm allowed to go to work. And until then, it doesn't really matter if we don't have an economy and we don't have free market businesses and we don't have, you know, we don't have a functioning workforce in this country because the government's going to send me a check. Don't worry, the government's going to send me a check so everything will be fine because I'll get my check from the government. This is how they are thinking. The left benefits from the kind of bill that got passed the huge bill that got passed, 2.2 trillion, and another bill is already being cooked up, more money being spent that we don't have. But the worst part of the money is not that it's making us broke. It is, we are broke as a country, it's making us more broke, but it's making us think that we can somehow survive as a country but with the free market economy and the businesses crushed and smothered. That we can all function because we're going to stay at home and the government's going to send us checks. There is a, a huge political overlay to this response to coronavirus. We all have to recognize and we all have to recognize the left is benefiting from this. Because right now on this notion, we're going to be talking more about it with Steve Moore on Thursday. But the idea of getting America back to work, actually employed work, like actually earning money by going to work. The left has managed to make most of America, even conservatives, even freedom-loving conservatives, to say, well, no, we can't do that because the health authorities haven't yet told us exactly and specifically when we go back to work. So since they haven't told us, we can't do that. So what we're going to have to do instead is to turn to a, um, an economy where we just kind of sit home and we wait to be told, people, we can't do this. You know, folks, I went too long on this segment. I wanted to share with you. I'm going to have to do it another day. I want to share with you, though, the kinds of ideas that people have come up with related to the, um, you know, how we work out of this, how we get ourselves back to working. There are experts who are actual public health experts, many of them who are saying that our country's reaction to the coronavirus has been too harsh, too extreme. Actual experts, people who are experts in viruses and epidemiology are saying we didn't need to do this kind of shutdown of our country. We should have been doing a shutdown that was in silos. We, sh we, we protect the people who need protection, who are elderly, who have some other compromised health system, health problem. We protect them. We don't have to shut down our whole economy. They're experts saying this. And they're being ignored by the experts who are continuing to feed fear into the policymakers who are saying, no, 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 only answer here is simply must have 
country shut down. I want to turn to my one last topic for today, and I, I really ran out of time because I got kind of I got a little bit wound up in that last segment. But I want to tell you about Nancy Pelosi and what she's really talking about doing. I have two clips I want to um, play with, uh, of her. So Nancy Pelosi was interviewed by um, the, the guy Cuomo on CNN, and um, she made a few comments on CNN. Um, about what we're going to do. She was, you know, he was asking her about what do you think of Trump said this? And of course he's setting her up so she can trash Trump. She always does. But I want you to hear what Nancy Pelosi is saying about what should come of the uh, coronavirus, um, what we should do when we're all done with it. Here we have Nancy Pelosi on CNN. This is such a very, very sad time for us. So we should be taking every precaution of what the president his uh, denial at the beginning uh, was deadly. His delaying of getting uh, equipment to where it, is, it continues, his delaying getting equipment to where it's needed is deadly. That is, I don't know what the scientists are saying to him. I don't know what the scientists said to him. When did the president know about this? And what did he know? What did he know and when did he know it? That's for an after action review. Okay, she is setting up now. She's going to be telling America that the entire coronavirus disaster is to be blamed on President Trump. She's setting that up right now, talking about his not having reacted quickly enough. Let me just plant this seed. We'll have to do this another time to get through this, but plant this seed with you. The coronavirus, during the time that President Trump was issuing executive orders saying we're gonna stop travel from China and then expanded it to Europe, expanded to Ireland and the UK. During that time, the Democrats were focused 100% in Washington on the impeachment, on trying to remove the president. This is a woman doing nothing. In fact, I'll play one last clip for you. First, we'll play the clip. This is Nancy Pelosi in Chinatown in San Francisco, and then I'll tell you what date it was. Here she is. It's exciting to be here, especially at this time, uh, to be able to be unified with our community. Uh, we want to be vigilant about what it might be on the, uh, what is out there in other places. We want to be careful about how we deal with it. But we do want to say to people, come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. Okay, that is Nancy Pelosi in Chinatown, San Francisco, in an area where people regularly, as the reporter had been made earlier commenting, Many Chinese nationals live there, meaning people who go back and forth to China all the time. She's in Chinatown urging people to come out. Don't be afraid about this virus. February 24th, February 24th. And that woman is now looking at the camera and blaming Trump, who was doing more than she ever did. But I'm telling you right now, folks, I'm plant the seed. This is going to be the next Democrat effort, even when we get through the virus, even assuming the virus is eradicated from the planet Earth and we're back on our economy's rolling, which is, you know, a very, very hopeful thing, but way in the distance, the first thing the Democrats will do is find some reasons to blame Trump. I'm going to show you in another show because I ran out of time for today. I'm going to tell you all the different ways that existing regulations got in the way of the faster reaction that were in mind that would have happened had we not had those regulations in place. But we're out of time for today. So I want to, as I always do at the close of every show, turn and tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start with our first story that we started the show with today. And that was the MyPillow guy 
uh, Mike Lindell, he's an American patriot, converting pillow manufacturing to mask manufacturing, 50000 per day. Goes off script at the White House, thanks God for President Trump, encourages Americans to read their Bibles. White House press corps melts down at the mention of God, the Bible, faith, because these mean nothing to these leftist reporters. Lindell, my pillow, among a long and growing list of American people and companies stepping up to meet needs and put down this crisis. Young Americans indoctrinated by campus leftism to hate evil corporations and evil free enterprise capitalism, we hope, are getting a real-time education as to the truth. Will they watch, listen, and learn? On remembering who we are, abortions are essential activities, but churches are closed. Huge indication about our society. Citizens arrested and put in jail for leaving their home at the wrong time, while convicted prisoners who've actually committed crimes are released for fear of infection. Virginia governor orders stay at home until June 10th. If millennials were told, jump in a cattle car to take you to the virus protection camps, how many would go? How many would sense danger in that? That was actually a great question someone had this morning on social media. How many people would jump on a cattle car just to get away from the coronavirus? Um, if fear has always been the tool for leftists to gain power, American patriots must rise up. They must put a stop to the taking of all of our freedoms. Multiple medical experts say the nation is overreacting. Silos of the vulnerable, areas of mass infection should be the focus. Everyone else can get back to work. Unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, these are eternal. We must never surrender them. And finally, on Nancy Pelosi hinting blame hearings are coming. Pelosi never takes a break, hints at new investigation on President Trump. What did he know and when did he know it? This is the same Nancy Pelosi who accepted a chorus of racist and xenophobic Trump for shutting down Chinese air travel in the USA on January 31st because of concern about the spread of the communist, Chinese Communist Party virus, encouraged people on February 24th to come out to Chinatown, San Francisco, enjoy themselves, and no one in her party challenges her. Brazen, hypocritical, and deceitful are the nicest words to describe Pelosi's behavior. History will not be kind to Nancy Pelosi. Americans should vote out all Democrats in 2020. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. You can email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. Tune in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about this precious country, America. I talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can We Talk? Truth About America.